You're listening to the High Power Archery Podcast. I'm your host, Angel Garcia, a USA Archery Certified Coach, inviting you to join us each week as we discuss various topics in the world of archery. Our goal in creating this podcast is to answer questions and provide insight, all with the intention of helping others enjoy the sport that has given so much to us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and send in your questions. We're always happy to hear from our listeners. Now on to the show. It's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be answering a few listener questions that have come up in the past week or so. Um, we didn't have a podcast uploaded last week because we had some other stuff going on, but we're back at it again. A uh, couple of things that I've seen so far at the range is the increase in the number of people that are practicing as they get ready for the upcoming hunting seasons that are uh, about to launch in September and October. And I got to tell you, we go from seeing, you know, five or 10 people there on a Saturday, and now we're seeing 20 or 30. And like I said in my last podcast, I am seeing people show up who um, you could tell they practice a week or two before the season. And it's kind of evident uh, watching them, watching them shoot that they're struggling a little bit. This is why we usually tell people to start practicing way earlier. Um, But it's better to practice a couple of weeks before the season than not at all. So let's get into what, what we're going to be talking about on, uh, on this episode. Well, the first thing we're going to be going into is a couple of things like form. And um, again, last, the last episode was all about preparation, what you should be doing to get yourself into shooting shape. We would touch a couple of different topics. And again, I've seen all this on the range lately and in some people they just don't do the things that would help them so much to get ready for the season. And that's all right. Um, let's just say we're, we're going to cover stuff in, in this episode. I don't want to beat certain subjects over the head again. So I'll touch briefly on them. Of course, as always, if you want to hear more about them, you can go back to our last podcast or you can just send us um, an email and ask us a little bit more detail. And I'll be happy to cover it the next time. There's no problem with that at all. So let's get into this. What's the first thing that I've been seeing a lot of? Very simply, what I always see, a lot of guys who just simply overboat. They can't pull the bow back at all. They can pull it back maybe once, twice. They're lucky five times, and they're doing it in such an odd way. I mean, they're pulling down, they're raising the bow, doing a sky draw, trying to get it to to come into anchor. And the reasoning they use is that, well, I'm only going to need one shot. So as long as I can get that one pull back, I'm okay. And if you call in the last episode, I said, well, the best way to test this is to stand on top of a milk crate and try to draw it back. If you're overboat, you're probably going to fall off the milk crate. Same thing's going to happen when you're in a tree stand. If you happen to be off balance, you have a good, good possibility of falling out of that tree stand because you're losing your balance in the process of a draw, which is too heavy for you. That's why it's so important to always wear your safety harness while you're up there. And we're going to be doing a podcast later on this week where we get into it with a a newer hunter and we go over what his prep is, what he's going to be taking into the woods with him the first time. But again, 
you need that safety strap for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is if you lose your balance. Now, if we reduce the, the factors that could cause us to lose our balance, we're much better off. I think everybody would agree with that. So if you can simply lower your poundage on the bow till it's comfortable for you, you take a lot less risk doing so. The other thing about that is some bows, you can't reduce their poundage. In that case, you're kind of stuck, but that doesn't mean that you need to keep doing this. What you need to do is you need to increase your strength, keep on shooting more and more. You need to do some exercises, and there's a lot of um, websites out there and YouTube channels that go into specifically strengthening our, our exercises for archery. And I've seen a few of them. They're mostly all done by guys who shoot and also have to be physical trainers at the same time, and they will help you out in doing that. But just to try to chance it on one shot, you know, I only got to pull it back once or twice, it's not going to work. And then when you combine the elements of cold, uh, clothing that's not comfortable, it all makes it worse. So if you can reduce that poundage, great. If you can't, you better work up to it. The other thing that I see besides people being overbowed, is issues with their form that I can tell you right now are going to affect them when they're shooting from a position other than, say, flat ground. That's why I tell people, you know, it's best that if you've never done it before, go go see a 3D range, try it out, see what it's like. Because at a 3D range, you get presented, for the most part, depending on what the setup is, you get presented with different shot angles, different lighting. And if you're going to be hunting in a tree stand and all you do is practice on the ground, that's a problem because the it just does not fly the same, number one, because you're shooting at an angle distance. And then I'll hear the argument, well, my rangefinder is telling me that the cut should be this. And it's telling me exactly how far I should I should shoot it for. Okay, great. That rangefinder is giving you an estimation of what it should be. It doesn't mean it's actually on. And the only way you're going to find out if your rangefinder is actually working for you is to actually try it in real life. So if you go to some of these 3D ranges, like the one we have at Waxby Archers in Jersey, you can actually go up into an elevated tree stand and shoot from there. And you'll see what the difference is. Most people shoot either over or under their target, depending on what the strength of their bow is, how they're sighted in. If the bow is very slow, you're going to have a higher arc, which is going to result in probably a higher shot for you. Um, if you don't get the right yardage or the right cut, you could shoot right under. And we have even thrown in there the mix of what do you do if the animal jumps the string? Or what do you do if the animal becomes alert because he sees all that movement up in the, up in the sky as a shadow because you're drawing the bow improperly and moving all over the place or you don't have the ability to stop, as we mentioned in a previous episode. So practicing from level ground is great. No problem. But you need to practice from a simulated situation. That's why they have simulators for when you're trying different things. Even like a race car, you have a simulator that you probably do it first. Why would this be any different? Simulate the situation you're going to encounter to avoid a lot of problems. And to avoid a, a lot of misfortune because chances are you might get that one shot of a lifetime and lose it because you either wound a deer, which we never want to do, or you completely miss. Why? Because you weren't prepared. 
you're prepared to shoot on level ground. Other people, same way, they're shooting, standing straight up, and then when I'm talking to him, he's like, oh, I always shoot out of a blind. I'm like, okay, you shoot out of a blind. Have you been shooting out of the blind? No. This is the first time that you're going to be shooting out of a blind? Well, I shot turkeys last year out of my blind. Oh, okay, great, that makes a difference. And then they mentioned they did it with shotguns, not with a, not with a bow. Completely different scenario. You need to practice what you're going to be setting yourself up for. Again, I always say it, practice makes perfect. Simulated practice makes perfect. You have to do it the same way you're going to do it in real life when the moment counts. Now, that being said, when people are shooting at angles, like I just mentioned, you have to know if you're going to cut yardage or if you're going to add yardage to it. And if your rangefinder is fairly accurate, it'll give you a good idea, but it's not always right. A very steep angle, you had better know what, you, what your bow does at that particular angle. Most good 3D shooters will have a whole cut chart with them, and they know that their bow at 30 yards on this degree of angle, I need to either cut or add this, and they know exactly what they need. I'm sure you're not running around with a piece of paper like that, but you should know what your bow is capable of. The other thing that I see is when we're practicing, and, and again, I'm seeing all this stuff as it boils down to the beginning of the season. I see more and more and more of it. And when people ask me for help, I try to lend a hand. Sometimes they don't want to hear what I got to say about it because they've been doing it the same way for years, and yet they've been missing the same way for years, and they wonder why. So here's my biggest problem that I see. You practice shooting at a target that's on the ground. And this is no one's particular fault. They buy a block target or something like that, and they're shooting down at a low target. And they say, well, I can shoot at 20 or 30, 40 yards, no problem. Okay, tell you what. What I do as a test is, and again, this goes back to shooting at angles. What I do is I tell them, great, you can shoot at something on the ground like that. You'll want to see why you shouldn't be doing that and why you should be practicing the real angles and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to hit it, no problem. Like, okay, let's see. And what I'll do is I'll take that same target and I'll put it on top of a trash can or something like that. So now all of a sudden it's elevated. It's about maybe shoulder height, maybe a little bit lower. And I put it back at 30 yards and I say, hit that. And one of two things will happen. They either hit it really high or they'll hit it super low or, well, they'll be completely upset because they'll miss it entirely. Why is that happening? It's not that big a surprise of what's going on, but to these people who have been doing it like this for years, it is a surprise, and here's what's going on. When you're always shooting at a target that's on the ground, okay, unless you're taught proper form, this is where I get into the form thing that I said I was going to discuss. Unless you're taught proper form, the tendency is going to be to drop your arm at the target and draw crooked. What do I mean by that? When you draw at a target that's level, say at shoulder height, you draw straight back, place your sight on the target, and you can execute in a straight line. 
What people tend to do, and this is the same thing I see and is the major reason for Mrs. Um, and that sort of thing, I have a tree stand. They'll drop their arm and draw from there, but they're not equalizing their shoulders. So now all of a sudden, they're kind of hitched in the front. They're hitched down, and they're drawing at an angle, which is not a repeatable form. What does that do? causes them to miss is what it does. But like everything else, and I tell tell people this all the time, archery is going to be successful for you if you're repetitive in your form. Now, you're practicing at 30 and 40 yards, and you're drilling that target that's low on the ground every single time. But what's happening is you're encouraging repetition of a form that has an angle down, and you're used to shooting those angles like that but you're not used to shooting straight. So there has to be a baseline somewhere. Instead, they're shooting down. It may not look like much, and actually the further out you go, it's probably not that steep a degree. And some people think, well, it's not that big a deal. But like I say, when I put it at a level level distance for their shoulder, they they kind of miss, or they hit wide or high, all because they're not shooting with the same form. They're accommodating the form for the height of the target. And it's outside the norm because they've been used to shooting at a target that's on the ground. And then I hear the argument, well, we shoot a deer and deer are not standing six feet tall in the air. No, they are not. However, if you don't have an established baseline and know how to change your draw to aim at it, when you're presented with a situation that's outside of the norm or outside the regular practice that you're doing, you're going to miss. So you have to be able to draw in a straight line Shoot that way and see what happens. And I think you'll notice, if you're one of these people who does this, you're not going to be as pleased with what what you see. That just happens. The other thing that goes on, um, and I'll get into how to correct this in a second. The other thing that goes on is people are used to shooting, and I've, I beat this subject over the head all the time. They're used to shooting at targets, big, fat bullseyes on there. And I don't care if you change it to a small little dot to an inch across and you're shooting at that at 30 yards, whatever it is. You're giving yourself a crutch because you're aiming on that dot. You're putting the pin on that dot. When you're aiming at something that doesn't have that, it's a whole different world and you have to be able to pick a spot. This is something I brought up before and it happens. And as I've said in the past, I don't know about your neck in the woods, but where I hunt, the deer don't have targets on their sides. So what gives? You've got to be able to pick out a spot. Shoot at a target that's not marked. This is why they invented 3D targets. There's no bullseye in the center. Certain tournaments we go to that are 3D events, they'll have clearly marked dots on the 3D target. That's the exception to that because that's a scoring game. For actual practice, you don't have that. When you're shooting at an an animal that doesn't have a target on his side, you need to know how to target him. And the biggest mistake that I see people making is they shoot at the entire animal. They don't know what happened or how how they missed, and that's exactly what happened. They shot at the entire animal. They didn't focus on one point. Focus on a tuft of hair on his side. Focus on a change in color. That sort of thing. If you don't do that, you're going to miss. Again, this is all about precision. If you're imprecise when you're shooting at something, 
your shots are going to vary. You might have one that hits right, but you have the rest of them all over the place, and you will not have that foundation for tight shooting. Now, and I know there's going to be a lot of people and certain coaches who are going to be like, say what? When I say this, but here's the deal. If you were taught when you first started learning how to shoot, and I'll tell you, I teach people this in their very basics, but then when it comes to longer range shooting, I have to teach them a little different. If you were taught when you first started learning that you bend at the waist to shoot at a target, if it's lower or higher, the grim reality is you're going to miss more than not because if the angle is that steep, it's going to be a problem. Simple way to test that, stand at full draw without your bow, just simulating full draw, and try to aim at a target to say, I don't know, a really serious angle, 47 degrees down. If you did that by simply bending at the waist, okay, while trying to maintain your form, again, the key is trying to maintain your form, what's going to happen is you're going to wind up standing on one foot, I don't perform in the circus. I don't walk a high wire. Therefore, I am not trained to shoot on one foot, nor would it provide me a stable balance point. And this is all the time that it happens. If you're shooting at an angle up, the same thing will happen. You're going to stand on your rear foot trying to get that that bend. And it results in a form breakdown. So instead of maintaining that straight line, you might have a bend in your front arm now. Well, guess what? Changes your peep angle, changes a lot of different things. You will not be accurate. You will not be effective. I think the person who really brought this up a couple of years ago, he might have even done it again this year at the ATA, uh, was George Riles, where he says, and he mentioned the same exact thing about winding up standing on one foot if you aimed like that. You can't do that. And he, I believe he used the European championships when they're shooting in, you know, just field targets. And some of those are crazy when they're shooting up in buildings on like second and third floors of buildings. And it's an extremely steep angle. He says, you'll see these guys shoot and they try to bend and miss or high or something like that. And then someone who knows how to properly shoot like that, where they're compensating for it and they're putting the scope on the target. And then they're making sure that they're straight line is maintained whether or not the positioning on your face has to be a little different on your anchor that sort of thing but you're maintaining that straight line you're bending your body to make it work and keep that straight line from the elbow back to the front as long as that line is straight your angle of impact will be correct so that's something you have to practice we're going to try to do a video as we start our video series in the next upcoming weeks and i know we've been saying it for a while we have been working on them where we demonstrate exactly what I'm talking about with that. But if you happen to run run into me at Willowbrook, I'll be happy to show you what it's all about. And this is something that I teach new bow hunters as well as seasoned people trying to get it out of it, and it results in much better accuracy and fewer loss and fewer wounds where you have such a bad shot because you were aiming all kinds of wonky, and because of that you missed. Now, so that covers the aiming part of all this, okay, And then the other thing that I see is I see guys trying to stretch out shots to 50 and 60 yards 
they have no intention of shooting that far, maybe, but they want to be able to shoot as far as possible. So that just makes their closer shots even more effective and all more power to you. That's the way you got to do it. But what I see is when they're trying to shoot at 40, 50 yards, there's problems. And that brings me into one of our first listener questions that we have. And this comes from Abby C. And she writes, I've seen you at the Willowbrook range working out with your students and noticed that you always have your target out to 60 yards or longer. Okay, that's um, that's nice and uh, complimentary, I guess. A little creepy. People watching me when I'm shooting, but I digress. Um, I've been shooting about a year now. I can't manage to, sh- to get out past 30 yards. For some reason, once I go further, it just falls apart. And the last time I tried to stretch it out there, I hit my sight with the arrow. What am I doing wrong? Okay, Abby. Now that you're spying on us, I'm not creeped out in any way. But your problem is very, very typical that I see. And it really revolves around what are you used to shooting at. And it has nothing to do with your your ability out there. It actually has to do with your setup. And a lot of people say, how can it be the setup? It's the setup. What it is, is this. If you've sighted in your bow, say, at an indoor range, which is very, very common, especially when people go to pro shops, they usually have like a 15 or 20-yard indoor range. I mean, at my place, that's what we have. We have a 15-yard indoor range. The common thing is to set your peep sight to shoot 20 yards. And people say to me, well, what does that mean? I set my peep sight to shoot 20 yards. It means you set your peep to be comfortable for you when you're shooting 20 yards. That's what most guys will set it up at a shop for. If you look at my bow or anyone who shoots long distance and shoots long distance effectively, you'll notice that our peep to anchor relation is way higher than the average person. Why is that? I think I've covered it before, but I'll go into it again. If you set up your peep to shoot at 20 yards so that when you when you go to full full draw, you open your eyes, you look at it, and you're actually got the 20-yard target on the field in the middle of your peep, ready to roll, that's your problem. If you want to extend that out to say, oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, the problem you're going to run into is that now the peep is too low. So when you're trying to shoot, you're going to find that it doesn't fit. You're, you're like struggling to, to bring that scope into alignment with you, and your anchor suffers. Your anchor kind of gets twisted. But that's because it's too low. Most 3D shooters and guys who shoot long distance will set their peep height so that when they draw back, what they're seeing is their, the middle of their range. My peep height right now, on my NTN bow that I've been setting up. It's set for about, I'm going to say, 64, 65 yards. That's because my site is set up to shoot out to about 110, 112. I try to go about halfway of the maximum distance. So if your intention is to shoot 50 yards, it's not that hard. Just make sure that your peep is probably set for 25 or 30. But if your intention is to shoot 80 or 100, you're going to have a really hard time doing that when you're trying to shoot with a peep sight that's set for 20. So you're going to have to move it up and set it for at least half of what you intend to shoot. And the thing that is a clear example of how this is happening is you'll notice that lower peep sight, 
the the site housing is lower on the on the bow usually. And when they start rolling it down, especially if they have a movable site, this is when we always see it. Because if you got a movable site, if you have a static site, you're not going to see it too much, except for the fact that you won't be able to have room to move your pins lower. But on a movable site, it's plain as day because you'll see it. And when they try to move to, say, 60 yards or something like that, depending on the arc of the arrow, the pounders they're shooting, what their draw length is, most people wind up smacking their scopes. And how do you know if your scope got smacked? Well, look for the marks under it. That's a giveaway. Some people don't notice it at all or it only happens once or twice. Um, You can see it in the arrow flight because the arrow looks weird when it comes out of the bow if you don't actually hear it. If it's a really thin arrow, you probably won't hear it at all. But when it's not a thin arrow, you'll hear it for sure, and you'll see the marks there. It's all telltale signs that while you are trying to shoot the longer distance, you're impeded by the fact that your sight's in the wrong place. So you should move your your peep up. That goes along with this, what I'm about to say, though. You can't just slide your peep in the string up further. You have to put the peep in a press. You have to put the bow in a press and have it moved. So they take it out of where it is. They find a spot where you're going to put in. They drop it in there. Sliding it up will do one of two things. Sliding it up will damage your strings. At at rest, that string's under a lot of pressure. You'll notice that when you pull back the string, I can actually twist it because it's not under as much pressure. That is not saying go ahead and pull out your peep when you're at full draw. That's just going to be ending in disaster. So put it in a press. Preferably a professional should do this. Pull it out and put it up somewhere higher. It'll take some experimentation where you want it to be, but generally try to go an inch or two higher than where you are right now. You'd probably be better off. And the reason why I say not to slide it, besides the fact that you probably destroy the string, is because aside from destroying the string, you're, you're encouraging that peep to take twists out of the string. Well, I got news for you. When you shoot it enough, if you didn't already notice, when you slid it up, your string rotated. Now the peep's not lined up. That unnatural twist that you forced in there, it's going to work itself out. And the worst thing that can happen is for that peep to wind up offline or not coming straight back when it's time to take a shot. So a professional will take it out, They'll shoot the bow once or twice. They'll put it back into, to allow the string to settle. They'll put it back at the position that you needed it to, and they'll put whatever twists are required in there to get it to sit flat when you come back. Then try shooting at your long dis- longer distance, and I think you'll find that you're able to now. It takes practice to get your group smaller, but you're able to do it, and the bow is not fighting you, nor is your anchor. The other thing that goes with that is, Some manufacturers put more than one set of mounting holes on your bow. Keep in mind, the further higher on those mounting holes that you go, the less, in general, shooting distance you're going to get. Or at least that's what I found. PSE puts three sets of mounting holes. I usually put it on the bottom one because I'm going to be shooting higher anyway, which kind of doesn't go against, that kind of goes against, you know, logic because if I don't want to hit my sight, why would I move it lower? Well, if my peep is higher and my sight is lower, I have to angle the bow more, which means I'm going to get more distance. That's just how it works out. 
So we've gotten into the peep site, what goes on there. You know, the other thing I see people doing is they, they think that shooting a much smaller peep is going to be the way to go because it's more precision. Yes, it is more precise if you shoot a smaller peep. However, if you're not used to doing that, it's going to present a problem because it's going to be too small when the time counts maybe, and it's going to hinder you from acquiring your target. The other thing is peep sites change size. No, they're not magic. They don't shrink and expand. What happens is the appearance of that peep site when you're looking through it will change depending on whether or not you're dealing with a low light condition or a bright light condition. If it's bright, it gets smaller. If it's low light, your pupil gets bigger because more light is allowed in and that thing will look bigger. So if you're used to practicing indoors and suddenly you go outside, you'll notice exactly what I'm talking about. So try to stay in the mid-range of peep sights. So if you shoot a quarter inch, but you think that's too big, shoot a three sixteenths. I don't suggest going to an eighth. If you're shooting three sixteenths and it's too small when you're outdoors, go to a bigger a bigger size. Go to a quarter. You can go either way. I shoot an eighth only because on my target bows, or even smaller, I don't have high pressure where I'm like trying to find it in a quick, quick, uh, quick instance. When you're hunting, you need to find it right away. I shoot a three sixteenths. Don't worry about it. All right. So we've gone through the peeps. Now we have another listener question. Craig S. writes, been working on my shooting since April when I've had a lot of time on my hands. Haven't we all? Everything is grayed out to about 40 yards, and I almost never get shots further than 20, so that's fine. But I, I actually started shooting my broadheads on Monday afternoon and noticed that I'm not coming close to hitting the target. If I shoot my field points, it's just fine. I'm using Magnus broadheads, which is a very good broadhead, so it's nothing wrong there. But even when I put on a mechanical, which I've used for the last two years, do not get me started on mechanicals. I have a whole philosophy behind that, and I won't use them. I tell people to use fix, but I digress. The same thing happens. It's not as far off, but still I, at, I hit at least eight inches to the left and really low. He's talking about with the mechanical, he's hitting like that. I got a deer last year, but I hit him a little far back. Not a big surprise. This is why I'll tell you in a second. I need some help with this, bro. Okay. Uh, please let me know what I'm doing wrong. What you're doing wrong is you're relying on the path of a fletched arrow to tell you how your broadhead's going to hit and assuming that it's correct. And it's not necessarily your fault. A lot of times people buy into the, the old saying, it flies like a field point that you see on most broadheads, whether they're mechanical or fixed. To that, I use a phrase which some people who know me will hear this saying again. And it's not to me not to be meant as being offensive, nor is it foul language. Depend unless you work in the horse industry. Even then, I don't even know it's foul language. But I call that flies like a field point horse hockey. No way, it's not true. What makes a field point fly exactly like a broadhead is a tuned bow. And I tell people this every single time. If your bow is not tuned, yeah, you got your your flat shaft to shoot with little itty-bitty field points on there, but the minute you put a set of airplane wings in the front, 
a.k.a. your broadhead, or even your mechanical because it's got some protrusions on it, it's going to do what it wants. So I tell people, take the feathers or the veins off of one shaft and shoot it and then shoot a fletch shaft again with a field point on it. Look and see what it does. If it doesn't hit exactly with your fletch shafts, the bear shaft, as we call it, is telling you what the arrow is doing without correction. And if it's doing that without correction and separating them that bad with just field points, once you add that set of wings, as I call them, which is a broadhead, it's going to get significantly worse. How much worse, you'll find out the further you shoot. I've seen people miss the target entirely at 10 yards because their bow was tuned so bad. And what creates tuning that puts you into this type of situation? Cam timing. If your cam timing is off, you will not shoot properly. Center shot. I beat the subject over the head with people when they asked me about it. I'm going to say it again. I mentioned it the last time, but if you paper tune at five feet, great if you're shooting at five feet. If you're not shooting at five feet, that paper tune that you have is a lie. Arrow paradox, how it bends, usually doesn't correct itself until at least seven to 11 feet. I have my people shoot at five yards. For those of you who need to calculate this out, it's 15 feet. And for hunters who I want to make sure they're doing it right, I'll have it shoot at 11 yards with a bear shaft through paper or even a fletch shaft through paper. And then by shooting that further distance, you get to let the arrow work out its paradox. And when it hits the paper, it's the true cant of the arrow that you're going to see. So if your center shot's perfect and the arrow's spine properly, and again, if it's too weak, you'll see big problems. If it's too stiff, shooting it out of the center, you most likely can get through that and you won't see that big a deal. But too weak is always a problem. But let's just say your center shot is not off. It's going to go to one side or the other, have a nasty tear. That's going to translate into a bear shaft that flies one way or the other and a broadhead that makes that 10 times worse. So work on your center shot. Work on your timing. And remember that when you're firing a bear shaft, if you're forming all that, you'll get three different results with the same arrow three different times. So make sure your form is there. The easiest way was presented by a guy on YouTube called Troy the Ranch Fairy. And he just says, shoot at a 3D target from 20 yards away with a bear shaft. Look at how the shaft hits the target. And you can look up his video online. It's very easy to find. But depending on the angle at which that tail of the shaft is pointing, it tells you what your problem is and you move your your rest appropriately. Now, like I said, as long as the, the, the arrow is not completely weak-spined, it should not give you that kind of a problem. And it's easy to fix. And minute adjustments to that rest will allow you to correct it. If you make gross adjustments, you're going to be all over the place and you'll never figure it out right. But if you make minute adjustments, you're going to be just fine. Once you get the bear shaft flying straight, you adjust it left and right, 
Then you adjust the tail up and down, moving the rest up and down. Then I think you'll find that when you shoot a flex shaft, they're together. And if they're not, there's minute little changes you can make to fix that. But more importantly, when you fly a broadhead at the end of that arrow, don't shoot a bear shaft with a broadhead. We don't even want to go there. That's not meant to happen, and it's not realistic. When you shoot a fletched broadhead shaft, they'll hit together or relatively close together. Depending on what your discipline is and your training and your abilities are, this may or may not be easy to do. So that's why I tell people, if you can't shoot at 20 yards with a bear shaft, accurately, shoot at 10. Shoot at something other than what you've been doing to get you get you an idea. The other thing you do is, if you don't want to shoot with a bear shaft, you should really French tune it, which means shoot at 10 yards at a target, walk a straight line back, shooting at the same exact spot. And you usually need to target a little bit elevated because the arrow is going to drop. As long as it drops in a straight line, doesn't fall to one side or the other, your, your center shot's probably on. And then if something still happens with the impact points being different between your flat shafts and your broad and your and your broadheads with field points, then it's mostly a form issue. Mostly. But it could be anything else. Most of the time it's form. But this is something I see all the time, and Craig's issue probably has to do more than likely with a tuning problem. And if, Craig, if you're local, then just send me an email. Maybe we can try to get together, and I'll help you out with that. It's no big deal. I help people out with this sort of thing all the time. But again, it's a tuning thing. You have to do your homework prior to going out there in the woods. That's why you have to be prepared for this. Again, simulation. I have people who don't shoot their broadheads ever before entering the woods. You don't know what's going to happen. You might be the one-tenth of one percent that gets lucky and it hits where it's supposed to, maybe because you made a mistake and made it hit there. But most of the time, it's not going to hit where you're aiming. Also, if you have a bunch of broadheads, say I've got five broadheads that are going to be in my quiver, you can make damn sure that I've practiced which each and every one of them. Because sometimes there's a manufacturing flaw in a broadhead. They might not be the same, or they didn't spin right, that sort of thing. And they're going to hit different. So I validate that each one works. And then I get people coming back to me saying, yeah, but then I'm going to ruin the, the dull, I'm going to dull the blade. I'm like, okay. If you don't know how to sharpen your blade, look online about how to sharpen blades. And I'll tell you, some some of the less expensive broadheads, you can't resharpen them. And if they are, and they're like a one-time use broadhead, I'd go to something else. But most fixed blade broadheads can be resharpened. Just resharpen it. My fixed blades have been through, I'm thinking of one broadhead that's been at least through six deer. And all I do is I pick up the arrow, Maybe the arrow's busted, but I still got the broadhead there. Unscrew the broadhead, throw it into my box. Before the next season, resharpen that sucker. Practice with it again, resharpen. That should be your, your motto. Practice, shoot, resharpen in the quiver. You owe it to the animal, make sure it's an ethical kill. You owe it to yourself so you don't waste your time out there for nothing and you hit what you're aiming at. And I think we'll all be better off for, for doing that in the long run. So that's pretty much all I'm going to do for this um, this podcast this time. 
Uh, sometimes some of these subjects get me really, really riled up. And like I said, I see it all the time. If you run into me when I'm at Willowbrook practicing with my girls or something like that, by all means, ask me. I'm willing to help. You can straighten yourself out prior, prior to the season. The panic that happens with people is when they realize I should have started a while ago and now they don't know what to do. But as with everything, there's usually a, a fix that works. Sometimes it's fixing the archer, how they shoot. Sometimes it's fixing the equipment. Sometimes it's both. But nothing is unsolvable. You can do anything that you put your mind to as long as you're willing to do what it takes to make it happen. Nothing is ever going to be given to you when it comes to hard work. You have to work yourself. You have to put in the time, put in the hours, put in the practice, because when the moment counts, that shot's going to go where it belongs and you're going to harvest your animal. And whether or not you're a meat hunter where you don't care what's on top of that animal's head or you're looking for that one shot of a lifetime, you'll be prepared for it. So that'll do it all for uh, for this episode. As always, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with uh, our latest releases. If you have any questions, be sure to send them to highpowerarchery at gmail.com or visit our website, www.highpowerarchery.com, where you can leave a message, find out about what's going on. And like we always say, it's never goodbye. It's until we see you again. So until then, be safe and shoot straight.